Hey everybody, I'm Jesse Stakes and welcome to Making Sense of It All. This week I get to bring you a conversation between myself and the founder and CEO of Sub70 Golf, Jason Highland. Sub70 Golf is a custom golf club manufacturer that designs and builds their clubs in Sycamore, Illinois. They use a direct-to-consumer model to ensure that Jason and his team can deliver a high-quality product and a second-to-none customer experience while all delivering it at a very fair price. I can say this from my own personal experience. My introduction to Sub70 came as a customer first. They had a putter that caught my eye, and it was actually made left-handed. Those lefties out there know what I'm talking about. I was a bit skeptical at first because it was my first time ordering from the company and I didn't personally know someone that played their clubs. So I took a shot at it because of the incredibly fair price for what I was actually buying. The putter was built exactly to my specifications and it took about two weeks to receive it because it was truly just that, custom built and made to order. When the box arrived at my home, the first thing that I noted was how attractively it was packaged and how on brand it was with Sub70. I almost felt bad throwing the box away. The actual putter was even better than what I had expected. But the most impressive item in the box was the handwritten thank you note from the person who had actually built the club. I've since had another experience with the company as a customer, and I was even more impressed because of the time and the deeper conversation that they took before the build even started. This show isn't about my experience, though. It's your chance to hear from the man himself and what inspired the creation of Sub70 and what the company is all about. Enjoy my conversation with Jason Hyland. Let's jump into it. Yeah, so I started playing golf, you know, probably around eight years old. We lived in a really small town, uh, like no traffic lights, no McDonald's, and we had barns in our backyard and just started like grabbing my dad's golf clubs as a kid, just hitting the ball off the barn. And I was fairly decent to be able to get up in the air, right? Like I could do this. So then I just started like begging my parents, my dad and my parents didn't really play a lot of golf, but then I just started begging them to, you know, take me to a golf course. And then that was kind of back in the day when my mom would drop you off with like two bucks and then, you know, she'd pick you up seven hours later. So it was down a couple of towns over, there was a little nine hole golf course. And then just, you know, I'd go out there all day long and just play the little nine hole loop, nine hole loop just, and fell in love with it, you know? So, um, no, it was, it was, you know, I fell in love with it early and then I started working in the golf industry, you know, at 17 years old and pro shops and, you know, retail and all of that. And then played some college golf and realized my talent wasn't real great. I mean, it was okay, but not great. My sense of imagination and then better figure out the business side if I want to, you know, keep doing this for a living. Right. So then that kind of morphed into our, I started my first company at 22 and uh, when college was over. So yeah, the internet was coming out in the nineties, right? So I had this really cool opportunity to kind of use this new technology back in the mid nineties and, and, and start the first one. So I, I, I always tell people I've never had a real job in life yet now, <laughs> you know, trying to keep it that way. 
Were you passionate about the equipment side of golf as well, or did you just enjoy, enjoy playing it when you were young? Yeah, I was always fascinated with equipment. And my dad and I started building my clubs uh, in, in the garage when, you know, there, there was, you know, pings were really expensive, you know, and we, they, like we weren't poor, but we weren't rich. And somebody told my dad, my dad's very mechanically inclined, like, hey, you can order the parts from, we used to use Dynacraft back then out of Ohio. And we'd, you know, cut the shafts, build our own clubs, you know, grip them. And I was like fascinated with like the customization. I thought it was way cooler that my clubs were kind of like hand built in our garage and different than everybody else's. And I could get them exactly the way I want to or get this wedge. So I was always like fascinated with the custom building Oh, the nuance of having like a set made just for you at an early age. Then with you know, we we're we always built our own stuff uh, back in the day, you know, versus kind of buying it. Very cool. Did you, as far when you started your company when you were twenty two, what mm -hmm. is that? What it was components as far yeah, as golf, still around today? Yeah, it's called Diamond Tour Golf. We kind of compete against Golfsmith, and you know, we carry all the shafts and grips, and then had a our own line of club heads we brought in and sold as parts or built them more of a value play, right? Like it's a really good, you know, price point for the money type of, uh, you know, for the heads, right. They're not, sure. they're not, you know, if, if sub 70 is a, is an Aston Martin, uh, the, the heads on diamond tour would be Chevy Ford Chrysler. And for a lot of people, that's fine, right. It hits a niche of getting people out there to play at a really good quality product at a really good price. And all these years later, that company is, you know, it's still here and we still operate it. I spend most all my time with sub 70, but still in our portfolio of companies that, you know, is, is still around today. And that's pretty cool. After all those years, it's still, it's still working. So what inspired you to start sub 70? So sub 70, I had kids a little bit later in life and I was in my early forties and took a couple of years where I didn't go as hard, right? I kind of just laid back and we had the other two companies going, spent time with the kids when they were little. And I was getting kind of bored of like, okay, we got to do something <laughs> like what's the next thing. And I wanted to build like really boutique ish, high end niche, you know, we'll do whatever we got to do to make the club as good as we can make it. No, no box it has to fit into. Okay. But I didn't know how I was going to get there, right? So then it just, as we were kind of digging into it, the direct-to-consumer model started to become, say like six or seven years ago, usually old-school direct-to-consumer was like an alternative of a cheap product. And that's not the case anymore. You start seeing, you know, Shady Rays, you know, Shady Ray sunglasses or like, you know, suits from uh, combatant gentlemen or the Razor thing, right? It was really high quality right. and a better value. And then it was like, okay, that's the pathway. And then we just kind of, you know, broke all the rules in the sense that we're not going to do product life cycles because, you know, it doesn't make any sense. If I can make it better, we'll bring it out. But until then, we won't. And everything's hand-built. Nothing's pre-made. And we just kind of like, if we were going to build a, a really high-end boutique-ish company, being in the industry as long as we have been, how would we do it? And don't care about the consequences of it, right? Because I thought there was just going to be like a little experiment where I'd have my little hobby farm and thing with it. So we just kind of like broke all the rules in golf that you're not supposed to do. And we did. And it somehow is like completely, you know, in a great way blown up. It's gotten so big, so quick and all the international partners we have. So it's a, it's a good accident, I think. Right. I mean, we had a good concept with it, but we thought it would be so boutique niche that we didn't think it would become this mainstream this fast. And it sort of has. So just sort of paying attention to the market of how we can be different and how we could bring better value and quality and all that stuff to our clients. I mean, you guys have married, you marry up technology, you marry up a business model that is very, that's very intelligent and it's, and it fits today's, today's consumer demands. 
and you offer a great product. There's no happy accident to that. That's a, that's a lot of intelligent choices that you have made as a businessman, and then also as a cra- as a craftsman as well. It, it, yeah, it's it's the timing of it was really good, right? Like sure. just kind of looking back, right? Like it felt like the, the golf business. Sometimes the golf business is a little slow to change, right? And you could see it in other industries, and we kind of jumped on it pretty quick. But it it, it was a passion project. It really was of trying to build this really boutique, cool beautiful pieces of art that also perform, you know, and then build them all here in Sycamore by hand. Like, you know, basically how do the pros have their clubs built? Well, we're going to do that for everybody. Not, you know, they're right. all having them custom made by hand and everything double checked from off lie. You want a certain swing weight, no problem. And you want an extra rapid grip on just the bottom hand, we can do it. So basically we just took that craftsmanship and brought it to every set that leaves the building. So how do you do that as far as because it is a direct to consumer model and mm-hmm. you have your consumer, let's say like I'm in Florida. Yeah. Um, how do I get fit? How do I how do I know what to order? So a lot of guys, you know, at first when it really started, they, they knew their specs, like the early adapters knew exactly what they wanted. And we'll tell people we can kind of get an idea if they, you know, every, there's, there's so much, simul, you know, simulators around anymore, or so many simulators should say. If we get your current clubs and you kind of go into a simulator and you send us that info, we, you know, my staff, myself, we've done it so many thousands of times. You can sort of see by the numbers of what's going on and what pieces of our equipment might benefit them. Now for length and lie and stuff, we might say, hey, go, go spend 50 bucks or $75 locally because sure. length is length, lie angle is lie angle, right? And then get those portions of it and then... We take that in, like someone else is kind of our CNI dog. We can interpret it like doctor's notes and then still put the pieces of the puzzle together. Because essentially when you fit somebody for golf clubs, it's just a big puzzle you're putting together. And the more experience you got, the better you get. And then because we're direct to consumer, we hear from the customers, right? So we know yeah. if like, hey, okay, I did this in the past. This worked well for the guy. It goes in your memory banks and then it starts to hit repeat. You get better and better at fitting people. But sometimes they have no idea. You got to hit the pause button, say, go get fit and send us the information. We can interpret it. Which if well, we get to that I point, think, we'll, we'll do it that way. And you have some people in the golf industry. They've essentially tried to, you know, act like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain when it comes to club fitting. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes it gets overly complex when it's not that complex, right? Like you can see that, okay, this guy needs to get a higher launch angle with more spin. Okay. What tools do we have in the tool? Okay. This looks pretty good. And all right, sir, how long have you played dynamic gold S 300 for? 12 years. Okay. We're not going to change that. Those numbers are great, but he wants a head that does something a little bit different. It's almost like I can do it by like six cents anymore. Right. And it it doesn't need to be overly complex uh, most of the time. Right. And that's how we can do it pretty efficiently. Like, you know, a club fitting does not need to take three hours. I mean, you give me 45 minutes with somebody or Kevin or Neil or our guys or Dan, like, I can pretty much watch, look at the numbers, look at their current set of clubs and go, we got to go this direction to optimize now. And Very cool. It's, it, yeah, it just, it's like, you know, if you've done it enough times, you, you get pretty good at it, right? It's, yeah. yes, it, it's, it's, there's nothing voodoo about, it's a math, it's a math problem. Right. That's what it is, right? The numbers, I still see it with my eye, what's going on with the golf swing, what their ability is, what's their potential, how much are they going to be working at it? And then my, because I used to do, you know, in, you know, in the nineties without that much data. And now the data backs up what I'm seeing and you can use that data to help put the puzzle together. Sure. Well, I grew up playing baseball and it's, it's funny because it's like, 
you grab a glove and you grab a ball and you grab a bat and you might decide, you know, do I want a 32, 33 or 34 inch bat? But that was the extent of it. To your point, a lot of people like to overcomplicate the simple, the simple. So it's no, I, th- I like that approach. I think it's, I think it's better for everybody because it, I think confused minds say no as well sometimes. And I think people shy away from it rather than going towards it. If they're nervous or they think it's going to be overly complicated to jump into. Well, what's made it easier is the data you can get off a simulator, right? So I still see it with my eye, but boy, that math adds up, right? You can instantly see the changes, right? So that that technology has made it so much easier to get it dialed in quicker, right? There's no, no more doubt. guessing. There's no more guessing. It's math. It'll tell you what's going on. Right. Have you guys, I know you guys have gotten some traction with pros. Can you talk to me a little bit about that as far as you know how, how, your, how your clubs, how Sub 70 has been received on the pro tours? Yeah, I mean, so we're never, like we said from the outset, we, we just want to work with a few guys, right? We're not going to go sure. out there and buy our way on the tour, which we could do, but I got to charge that it, it, the customer has to pay for it. Now, I think it's important that people know it's being played at the highest level, right? And But we're, we're never going to get a staff of 12 guys to do it. It, it, just, it just, it's an expense that we think we don't need to have that eventually has to get passed to the customer. But it still has to be played at the highest level, right? So we got sure. Zach Zach Fisher on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, really good season last year. I think he finished like 34th on the money list close to a card. He'll be, he won the Argentinian Open this fall. So he's in the, the Open Championship overseas next year. So, you know, he's been a, you know, we started working with Zach. He did not have, uh, well, he had, he had status on PGA Tour China and they shut it down for COVID. So we just kind of like work together and I'm a real small part of it. I mean, he's the talent, you know, and he's, he's close to the PGA tour, which is so cool to see his journey, you know, of, of where, you know, man, I got to scramble to play state opens too. He had a real chance on, you know, getting his tour card last year. I wouldn't be surprised this year at all. If he's, if he gets through, you know, that corn Ferry tour season, he's a great player, even a better human being um got to be really good friends that's we you know we're a small part of the journey he's he can hit a golf ball and putt and chip and do all of it and then you know we got we got the icon tommy armor the third you know on the champions tour and you know tommy tommy's gonna play you know seven eight events he's you know it's 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 he did it for 42 years he's got a great life in las vegas he still wants to play a little bit out there but you know he's been i mean the doors he has opened for us to help. I mean, he does not need this, you know, and he right. has been a great friend. It's really cool to be friends with one of your idols. He was one of my heroes growing up and to have one of your heroes become one of your friends. And also like from the design work he can do, he's, he's a real gearhead from the golf stuff. So when he did, you know, he, we have a new wedge that, that he did, we had a forged, you know, uh, like a blade sort of blade, a little more forgiveness to it that he designed so we give PA when he wants to do a project just sort of you know go go find it and come up with some design concepts but you know it's it's cool like he's playing it on the champions tour um you know Zach on the corn ferry tour uh Eric Flores plays our irons he'll be playing the challenge tour uh, this year over in Europe so we you know some of the guys in the champions tour uh, West Short Jr we just built some clubs for Cameron Beckman so we most of the time the players come to us right like kind of you know hey here's where I'm struggling a little bit. You guys have some solutions and, and we'll go do it, but we're, I don't think anymore. You need a huge stable of it. I think you, people have to know it's played at the highest level, but I don't think 
you know, I think we can get the same exposure with just a couple guys that we work with, like really organically. Like we just didn't grow right. up and hire, you know, hire these guys in a three-year contract. And I don't know them. Like they're, they're a part of the DNA of the company. So we'd rather go that route where we really have that relationship with the pros and make it more kind of authentic, right? They're a part of the brand. Really the importance of it is the validation of your product. And then it's the feedback. I mean, the feedback more than anything, because it allows you guys to improve where you need to from the guys who, as you said, are playing the game at the highest level. Do you think, do you think that um, with the rise of tours like live and with the PGA tour now having to pay their players more money than what they were previously, do you think it's going to give players a little bit more freedom to make a choice on what brand of equipment that they play rather than worrying about an equipment contract? Do you think that they'll just now be able to start choosing? I'd like to play sub 70 or whatever brand that they felt was best for them. Yes. And it was already happening before live. Okay. Meaning uh, the, the importance of paying touring pros when Nike went out of the golf club business, because Nike, if you remember, went and just paid everybody a boatload right. to make a market impact, right? When that imploded and they said, uncle, that changed how much companies are willing to pay, not the Rory's of the world, you know, but the guy was 62nd on the money, list, right? Sure. That went way down. So now those guys have to start thinking, look, a fourth place finish pays more than the, the club contract for me. Do I want to say, and then what happened is the club contracts also, for the most part, required players to play more of their clubs in that contract, meaning it might be 12 or 13 and you have to play the ball or 10, 12 clubs, right? So then they have to ask themselves, is the money worth me not having the ability to be kind of independent if I want to put something different in? So that trend line was already kind of going where smaller brands or you, you saw a bunch of guys with you know six different brands in their bag right right you never see that 10 years ago because nike would just hide you know they was it was an arms race essentially so and then now with the money that they're being paid i think it's going to open it up even more to guys wanting the equipment that they can play their best with because they're getting you know finally the tour players you know say what you will about live or whatever pga tour players for the most part, were underpaid for the amount of money that was coming into the tour. Well, that's starting to level out where the, to be competitive with the other professional sports. So, yeah, those guys, you're not going to have to, if you're, if you're one of those top, you know, if you're a player on either one of those tours, you're not going to have to rely on a club contract to help make ends meet, if that makes sense. So you're going to see more guys probably going a little more independent. I think that's a very, that, that trend line was already happening, and this just makes it happen faster, in my opinion. Very good. Do you have a do you have a personal favorite piece of equipment that you guys have made? It's, I mean, you love them all, right? It's like your kids. Like I was about to say, I know I'm asking you to call a kid yeah, ugly or anything like here. Favorite, but... <laughs> favorite. I think that most like the the like the, the this new wedge working with TA was really it's a fun. It's a beautiful wedge too. Yeah, and it performs really well. And just the feedback and the process and, you know, I've gotten to know him better. So I know kind of what he wants and how he wants to work and just kind of like watching him dig it out of the dirt and do these little nuanced changes and go back because he has carte blanche, like it doesn't get made till he says it's perfect. And then like going out to Las Vegas and like, you know, the last generation we did, it's really cool. Like, He's out there like at Las Vegas Country Club and he's just putting on this like clinic from 50 yards out. It's the low skipper. It's the high floor. I mean, it's like a master's degree in short game, right? I, right. I, it's just beautiful to watch. And I'm like, how cool is this? Like there's one of my heroes growing up. 
hitting these jobs that are just sick and then getting his nod of approval of like, I go, ATA, I mean, are we close? He's like, yeah, like build it. We got it. And it was just in my mind, I was thinking, I don't know how he's going to do any better than that. Like if, it, <laughs> if this isn't it, I don't know what else we can do. So that was like such a fun process yes. to work with a legend like that and to see it up close and really be, you know, working in collaboration with them and see it come to fruition. Like that one's been, a, that's a fun one. It's just, it just is. Yeah. So your business, as far as you guys are in Sycamore, Illinois, you yeah. guys are in small, small town, USA. Um, yeah. You give back. I mean, to me, I mean, that's that to me, that's the American success story. We, we are really proud to be from Sycamore. And if you came here, you would see the pride we have, like our downtown area is beautiful. It's a smaller town. We've got 20,000 people. We're out in the country. Um, but we really love where we live. So if anything local, if somebody needs help with something, if it, you know, Northern Illinois University is close by, if if I can be assistance to the professors who I'm friends with over there, like if it's, we, we, we keep most of our charity to our community, right? That's yes. where we feel the most comfortable giving back to. But basically, you know, if somebody needs something locally and we can help, we help. We help. Like we've been really fortunate, right? Like I, I love the fact I get to live out in the country and be able to have a global brand. Like technology has made that happen because I like where I live. Like this is who I am. Like we, I, I mean, I love visiting LA and New York and Vegas. It's a blast to like visit and I sure have a great time with it. I like <laughs> living out in the country. I do. That's wonderful. For sub 70 golf, what do you, where, where do you guys see yourselves going in the next five years? Yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, growing still without, you know, but not losing our soul, right? Still building those clubs one one set at a time. The customer service needs to be at a at a really high high level. We always say it's like Nordstrom level of service with this. I think we're growing a lot now internationally, so we really would like to be an international brand. So that's going to be kind of our big push is is all around the world. You know, when you when you're in Europe and you have the, the guys over there who are partners building sub 70 clubs in the UK, which they are now, you get that same level of service. They're all hand built there. So we think as as you know, flat as the world is anymore, it's kind of weird instead of thinking, well, we're going to go from Sycamore to Terre Haute, Indiana, where now we're going from Sycamore to India and right. thinking about it from a global perspective. So I think that's we, we want to keep growing in the States, but we also really want to be a global brand. So. I'll give you a testimonial as well. Uh, before I ever met you, before we ever had conversation one, I was actually a customer of Sub 70. I bought a putter last May and the putter's beautiful. The 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 craftsmanship is, is second to none. But the part that really caught my attention, um, and I shared this with you before we spoke, but the card that re- the part that really caught my attention was this card that I received, and I will I'll make sure that my viewers can see it better, but it was a thank you note essentially for doing business with you guys. And I've never received that as many golf clubs as I have bought in my lifetime. I have never received that from any manufacturer before. So I wanted to thank you guys for, for the, for the, your quality top-notch customer service as well. Yeah. I mean, we're humbled that people trust us to, I mean, people love golf. It's a passion, right. And for them to trust us to build their equipment, like that's the least we can do is say, thank you. And, you know, reach out to us if you need anything. We always want to make sure our customers have like an open line of communication. That's the best part about direct to consumers. Like we get to talk to our customers, right? We hear what they're saying, you know, and if we make a mistake and God knows we can, we'll, 
we hear it and we try to correct it. So like the customer feedback loop we get is just fantastic. We're so appreciative of it, but it doesn't take that long to write a quick thank you note and say, hey, we really appreciate you, you know, giving us your hard-earned money and, and your support and trust. Well, it goes a long way. If, if people would like to learn more about you and your brand, and if they would like to have the same experience that I did, where can they find you guys? Yeah, go to sub70.com and it's S-U-B, then the, the number 70.com and our contact information is on there. My contact information is on there. Like anyone can reach out anytime. And, you know, uh, we're always glad to, like I said, have that interaction with the customer. And if you need anything, just let us know. Excellent. Jake, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. This is fun. All right. You know, I don't think you could ask for a nicer guy. And why shouldn't he be? He's around an industry that he loves each and every day and he still gets to lay his head on his pillow most nights. He's built an amazing company that supports his family and many others like it. They're a global brand and they're only growing by the day. He talked about it in our conversation, but it probably deserves its own episode. The direct-to-consumer model has really taken the retail world by storm. It allows companies like Sub70 Golf to be incredibly competitive with their price points while not sacrificing the quality of their products. Thanks again, Jason, for helping me and my audience make sense of it all. I'm Jesse Stakes, and we'll catch you guys next time.